Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. have a time at nine. I, John, I think I fell in love with you all over again at nine. That's what love does. You know, when you have love in your heart, it's hard to ridicule or, you know, say negative things. When you got love in your heart, and I believe that's why it says love covers a multitude of sin. If you love somebody, wow, it covers them. And the Bible says in the reading, how can we love God whom we've never seen? And then can't get along with each other every day. We should love each other because God loved us first. So Hope Elam, I'm so excited because, you know, me and Martin Luther King, we went to the same seminary. And this is, this is where I live and this is where I breathe. And I think you guys should know that. And once you know that, then you sort of see why I'd be all hyped up because I've been doing on this journey a long time. And so many times the door, come on, so many times people tried to shut the door in my face and I could have gave up. But I used the same thing Dr. Martin Luther King used to get to this point, and that's the weapon of love. See, when God loves you, he'll always leave some evidence. He just doesn't say, I love you with words. He leaves evidence of his love that he has for us. And it's clear in the Bible, 1 John 4.13, watch the evidence. Watch this weapon of love. Watch this weapon of love. Oh, even before I go to the weapon of love, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly, you know, but it's the weapon of love that pulls down strongholds, that pulls down racism, that pulls down sexism, that pulls down... Uh, any negative thing that we have to say about a counterculture, it pulls it down because to do that, you are exalting yourself against the knowledge of God. Because the knowledge of God is what? Love. I told you, here we go. And he has given us his spirit as what? Proof that we live in him and he lives in us. And that weapon of love that we have we're supposed to share it with the community that's in darkness. We're supposed to share it to the sinful to introduce them to the one who was sinless. We must share it with the ones who are in disgrace and we must show them God's amazing grace. I hope y'all stay with me, but the scripture I love the most this is that God has poured his love into our hearts through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that saves. It's the Holy Spirit that changes us. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us have a turnaround. It's the Holy Spirit that'll lead us to green pastures and still waters. And he's given us that spirit. He's given us that love in us. And he is in us as we are in, in him. 
The weapon of love. The weapon of love. That's what Dr. Martin Luther King used. He used the weapon of love to become the beloved community. The beloved community. The beloved community. Could it be in 1959, and this is why I sort of went in, and I, I do, I think this is why I swear all the time, because when I stand here and I know this is the very spot that Dr. Martin Luther King stood. I tell myself, I ain't sweat. I ain't even John now know to give me a little towel, John, you need to. See, but that's gross. That's love. Yeah, see, that's love. You know, and before he didn't know that, but now, you know, it, oh, can I just stop? You know, y'all, this a little different crowd. Love takes time, y'all. You just don't, come on, you know, love at first sight. Mm, okay, no, that's a little something else at first sight. Because love, you earn. You don't get it by looking at somebody. I'm sorry, Joseph. See, I'm, hope, I'm sorry I messed up your game. You probably say, oh, I loved you at first sight. Uh, no. Yeah, see? See, you see? Let's pray for Joseph right now, God, right now. <laughs> because that love is earned. If you give that love away that quick, you got to earn. Come on, you got to earn that. And Martin Luther King stood here and he talked about the beloved community it was about justice and freedom and mercy and grace and hope and last but not least love based on equality. We are all created equal in the image of God. So this beloved community was based on equality. Black is not better than white. White is not better than brown. Brown is not Republican. Brown is not Democrat. Brown is not independent. Love encompasses all. We are all equal. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And we're calling that the beloved community. Hope Elam, you, you don't know what we're doing. Look around and ask, is there anybody else talking about a beloved community? Is there anybody else talking about a multicultural church trying to go into the inner city and feed the hungry and clothe the naked? And if they thirsty, give them something to drink and give a youth foundation and have a school and say, I'm white, I'm going to learn your culture and I'm black and I'm going to learn your culture and we're going to be part of that beloved community and use the weapon of love because love makes... Love makes a difference. Oh, no, come on, let's just lose our mind there for about five seconds now. Lose your mind because love makes a difference. Give God some praise. Give God, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, God. We need you, God. We serve you, God. So somebody had to start the job. Martin Luther King started the job. He did what? Nobody else would do a fragmented country, a fragmented country where Jerry, your father and my father couldn't eat at the same counter. They couldn't use the same bathroom. They couldn't drink out of the same water fountain. Now, we not gonna forget that, but we not gonna live there. What we saying, that's where it start, but look where we are now. Uh, Y'all will get that later. But somebody had to start the job. And, and I said this, y'all better get this. And a lot of times, Cornell, who you start with 
He told the Israelites, I'm going to lead you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, flowing to a land of milk and honey. But they never got to this land. They died in the wilderness. Come on. But you, somebody got to start it. Watch. Paul had to start it. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. Come on. Paul. Saul had to get knocked off the horse. Skills had to get on his eyes. He had to crawl into town. Anastasia had to touch him. And the skills had to fall off his eyes. And when the skills fall off his eyes, God said, go. You are my chosen instrument. You got to take the gospel to the Jews and the Greeks, to the blacks and the whites, to the Republicans, to the Democrats, to the independents, to people who don't even want to vote. You still got to take the gospel to them because it's the gospel that saves. It's love that saves. It's mercy and grace. And somebody got to start it. Martin Luther King started it. But guess what? We hope Elam got to do the work. We got to keep working because the job is not done. Ah, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue this work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. The good work that I've started in you, I'm promising you I'm going to complete it. So I just believe, come on, Martin Luther King, 1959, Hope Elam, 2022. Who is it going to be in 2052? Could it be they do on the archives and look back and say, it used to be a church called Hope Elam. They started this. You know, Pastor Hurst with Jesus now, but I think John's still over there. Come on, he's, he's going to complete it. So Hope Elam, I just believe every each and one of you, you are called here. We're not called here to analyze one another. We're not called here to criticize one another. We're not called here to talk about each other. We ain't called here to point fingers at each other. We are called here to love each other. We are called here to serve together, to work together, to laugh. Oh, y'all should get a little happier, to cry together, to walk together, to talk together. We should be here to be that beloved community that Martin Luther King taught about somebody somebody had to keep working but guess what the job is not done but I guarantee you the work that we've done so far come on the devil got to try to stop it and he used that in the form of intimidation he used that in forms of intimidation he used that in forms of how oh, there we go <laughs> they in the sermon I'm in it too huh? Hey, I was just up there. What's the next point? What's the next point? So I'm with you. I'm preaching so good. I done forgot the sermon. <laughs> I want to be the beloved community really that bad. That's why I go out of my way to speak and be humble. And I, come on, we can't say it. We got to. Ooh, and John's going to break that plane. Watch this. I want you to know, my dear friends and brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me spread the news. Paul, in a Roman prison, on death row, if you will, just a few moments from Nero's chocking block. It was at that time Paul expressed joy, even at death. Paul is about to get his head chopped off, but he says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul said, if I got to get my head chopped off to further the gospel, then so be it. Nero wanted to <laughs> intimidate him. 
make them scared, make them fearful. Uh, I don't want to go to that church. I'm scared. This going to happen. That's because of fear. Don't you know the devil is the roaring lion? First Peter five, but he snag a tooth. He ain't got no teeth. Oh, y'all, men must be on this side. You know if something snag a tooth, you know she lost her teeth yet, you know you just gum. Yeah, see, you gum it on the side. But, you know, but when you got teeth, you can bite. Arr. That's what the devil is. But his roar is supposed to intimidate you. Don't let it. Look at Martin Luther King. Montgomery boycott. Come on, they throw him in jail. Here's a picture of the jail. Here's a picture of the jail. My bad. Here's a picture. Look. Look. C.S. Colgate, me, and we like to dress up, and y'all wonder why. Yeah. Oh, y'all missed that. Y'all, 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 yeah, get that when y'all get home. See, that's what the cemetery do. I mean, the seminary do for you. You go in one way and you come out. Oh, y'all, get it like. They threw him in jail, trying to intimidate him. Montgomery. Bus boycott, they tried to intimidate him. Uh, March on Washington, I had have a dream speech. They said they were going to kill him. They were trying to intimidate him. The Civil Rights Act in 1964, they tried to intimidate him. Bull Connor, they was wanted to lynch him. Come on, the Freedom Riders, they were, they were lynching, they were killing. Come on, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Black people didn't get the right to vote till 1965. That's Martin Luther King. And they tried to intimidate him. They tried to stop him. Just like the devil tries to stop us with our sin. He tries to say when you commit a sin that you're not worthy of the forgiveness of God. And then he fills you with guilt. Then he fills you with doubt. Then he fills you with shame. Then he fills you with low self-esteem. Then he tells you you don't deserve God. But I stopped by here to tell you nothing can separate you from the love of God. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God says you are valuable to me and I will give myself ransom for you. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are an heir of God. You are a joint heir of Christ. You are valuable in my sight and I love you. You cannot be intimidated. Sin tried to intimidate Paul. Every time I try to do good, evil is all around me. The things I should do, I don't do. The things I don't do, I should do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? This is Paul. But then the anointing shows up. And then in Romans 8, when he says, there is therefore. No. Your sin has already been paid for. The debt has been Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Y'all should get a little bit more happier than that. Tell Jesus, come on, praise God for thank you for paying your debt. Come on, say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for paying my debt. And that's why I'm going to strive for this beloved community. That's why I'm going to use this weapon of love. Because Martin Luther King started the job. And, you know, we, we try to finish the job. Finish the job. But in order for us to make us finish the job, he's got to make intercession for us. I press to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He calls us because we're connected. And when we are connected to God, then he gives us the confidence that we need to understand that we shall keep working till the job is done. But once we hook up with him, he's already finished the job. 
Oh, y'all must be over here. Jesus done already finished the job. You know, he started the job on Friday. Ah, come on. And he stayed on the job. He kept working on the job on Saturday. But early one Sunday morning, he finished the job. And that's why I'm trying to tell me, you, and everybody at Hope Elam, Hope Elam, let's not quit. Hope Elam, let's not give up. Hope Elam, stand with me. Hope Elam, yell with me. Hope Elam, clap with me. Hope Elam, walk with me. Hope Elam, talk with me. Hope Elam, worship with me. Because we got to keep working. Because the job is not yet done. But he is the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. My time is up. Thank you for yours. Mm. Have a great morning, everybody. Uh, it's great, great to have you here. <laughs> that's a uh, MLK weekend's a two-towel sermon. That's a, that's a two-towel sermon right there. I love you too, brother. What, what an incredible vision that God has given us as a church to be this beloved community. I know a lot of us are sitting there thinking right now, Yes, amen to all of that, but it doesn't always look like that. And so we have to hold this intention, this dream, this vision, this ideal picture that God gives us in his word, and yet as we look at the world around us, particularly the neighborhoods right around us here at 2500 University, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're not there yet. But we're on our way. Tell them that. We're on our way. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. Amen. God has given us this picture, and what I want to give God praise for is that it's been a year. I, I was having deja vu sitting up here. We, we preached on this exact stage one year ago on this weekend with, with Pastor Householder up here with us together too, and I, I know we have so far to go, but I also give God praise because we have come so far. God has done so many amazing things, amen, in this last year. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk out there. There's not a, as much walk. One of the things that Pastor Hurst and I both love is basketball, professional basketball, college, high school basketball. And sometimes we'll go to a game. Both of us have been to a game. Sometimes we'll watch a game on TV. And you, you all know this, that watch sports on TV, but then you've been to the actual game. You've been near where the action is. There's a big difference. And you miss things when you're on TV. What you miss is hearing all the talk between the players. And not just talk, but Trash talk. They like to talk a little bit. High school players, college players, all like to talk a little bit. Everybody loves to talk a good game. Very few people back it up with the walk. Amen? Very few people back it up with the walk. And this is why I love, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Paul says this. Let's read it nice and loud together. You've had your breakfast. You've had your coffee. I'm expecting big things. Let's read it together. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God's people do not expand the kingdom by talking a good game. God's people expand the kingdom by tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit and getting out of the way. Amen? That's what we're called to do. We're not here to talk. We're, we're here to walk it out. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we overcome the obstacles of sin? How, how do we overcome the obstacles of our, of our past and maybe the way that we've seen people that look differently than us, the way, the way that we've treated other, other cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities, people that live in different places or talk in different, places, different pla ways than we do? How do we overcome the divides? How do we press forward with urgency towards this vision of becoming 
a beloved community. Well, when you've got a, a divide, when you've got to get from here to there, and there is a chasm in between, you got to get there, what do you do? You build a bridge. Everybody say, build a bridge. You build a bridge. And if you think about it, this was a large part of Jesus' ministry. One of the major themes of Jesus' ministry was bridge building. And rightly so, we, we pay attention to the red letters and the things that Jesus said, and, and we should. Have you ever watched who Jesus hung out with? Have you ever watched how Jesus spent his time? Jesus was a build, bridge builder. Jesus started the job. The Apostle Paul continued the job. Dr. King continued the job. And he hands it to us. But it all starts with Jesus. Jesus built all sorts of bridges, hanging out and lifting up people that he shouldn't. Gender. Bridges of gender. Women in those days were way, 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 way pushed down. Oppressed. Looked down upon. Abused. And what is Jesus? Nobody lifted up, supported, and protected women like Jesus of Nazareth. Nobody built bridges like Jesus of Nazareth for, for women. Br bridges of culture. We think black and white is a divide. Jews and Samaritans hated each other, despised each other. And what does Jesus do? A Jewish man goes out of his way, takes a detour so that he can go to the well and connect with who? A Samaritan woman. This is scandalous. Jesus is a rebel. <laughs> He's a rebel rouser. He's a bridge builder. Bridges across culture. Bridges across class. Who did Jesus hang out with? The religious elite? Didn't have time for him. Couldn't stand him. He, he had a word for him, but it was a word, if you know what I mean. Jesus went to dinner parties and hung out with the outcasts, the sinners, the tax collectors, the riffraff, those who had been pushed to the side, those on the bottom rung of society. Jesus was a bridge builder in class. We forget about age. Children, children were told to be quiet, not do anything. And who does Jesus lift up as he's preaching? He lifts up children and says, this is the model for the kingdom of God. Who do we lift up all the time, every chance we get as a church here at Hope Elam? It's the kids, it's the students that are not the future of the church. They're the church now. We're not making that up. We're following in the footsteps of our rabbi. This is who Jesus was, a bridge builder. And that is why, Hope Elam, we don't talk about these topics once a year when it's fashionable to do so on Dr. King weekend. We don't, we don't do this when it's popular to post something on your Facebook or your Instagram. We do it all year round because this is who we are as a church. This is central to who we are. We are a bridge building church. And it has been for some time. A couple years ago, God gave us as a church at all of our campuses this 10 for 10 vision. And right in the middle of that, there's these 10 key ideas of who we've been called to be. And right in the middle of that is to be unity agents. What do unity agents do? They build what? They build bridges of harmony for cultures divided by race and ethnicity and creed and gender and politics and worldview. How do you do that? By rising above dismissive debates, calling instead for a third way of civility, of compassion. God knows our world could use some of that, amen? Compassion, respect, love, and the acknowledgement, don't miss it, that the Christ who unites us is greater than the issues that could divide us, amen? That's who we are as a church. Everybody's asking, what's Hope Elam all about? I met several of you. This is your first time here. I met you at breakfast this morning. You can't beat bacon and Dr. King weekend at worship, amen? It doesn't get much better than that, right? All right? But I met several of you that are new, and if any of you are wondering what we're about as a church, it's that. And, and why do we build bridges? Is it so that we can all agree all the time? No, that's not it. Do we build bridges so that we can all be the same? Absolutely not. The power is in our differences. 
That's where the power is. We build bridges for the sake of connecting as many people as possible with the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about as a church. So, so how do you build those bridges? Some people might say, John, I, I get it, and, and I want to connect with the other side, with those people, whoever those people are, but, but I feel like on, on one edge, we say, well, I have to give up my convictions. So we're just going to get all relativistic. And, and I just, yeah, you believe whatever you want. I'm going to have to compromise my convictions and all. Let's get all relativistic. No, that, that's not it. On the other ditch, we get a little bit of legalism in there, and we say, well, I, I'll cross over that bridge, but I'm going to go get you and try to convince you to believe what I believe, to see the world the way that I see it. No, love builds the bridge. Jesus says there's a third way here, and it's not relativism, and it's not legalism. It's not trying to get you to see the world the way exactly that I do. It's love. It's a third way, and it's radical love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you got to have to help me out here. Neither Pastor Hurst and I are started a choir because you don't want that. But I want to I hear it from you, right? You've heard, you've heard the famous lyrics now. What the world needs now is... So he's off. I... Deshaun, we need to start a choir. I think uh, there might be some tryouts here, right? What the world needs now is love, sweet Love. We get a lot of mileage out of that word love that we sometimes it loses its funk a little bit. It loses its power. We say, you know, I love my wife, and in the same sentence I say, I love, I love me some Starbucks and I love a new pair of pants. So we get all sorts of confused about what love is, and so it might be helpful for us to get some help and go back to the source. If we go to God's word as our source, as our starting point, there's a lot of different words for love, but the one I want to focus in on today is this. It's agape. Everybody say agape. Agape is the highest form of love. It's self-sacrificing love. It's the kind of love that builds bridges. It's the kind of love that doesn't expect anything in return. It's the kind of love that takes risks. It's the kind of love that goes out of your way, even if you don't feel like it. Thank God that God didn't stop it. I don't feel like it. God is love. That's who he is. That defines who he is. And so if you want to know what love is, if we want to be a church that's full of agape love, we better stay connected to the source, and that is God himself. Amen? So we stay connected to the source. We love with agape kind of love. That love is also used in God's words to describe the love of a parent for their child. And parents, grandparents, you know this. If you want to think about that, just to get a glimpse of that for a moment. It's the I would do anything for you kind of love. And it happens to be the exact same word that's used to describe the love. The greater love has no one than this. Greater love had no one than Jesus when he laid down his life. You want to know what the greatest act of bridge building in the history of humankind is? One dark Friday on Calvary. There was a chasm that could not be crossed, and that sin that separated us from God is the source of every divisiveness, every abuse, every hatred that this world has ever experienced. And Jesus said, I'm not here to join your political party. I'm here to save you from the things that you could not save yourself from. Sin, death, and the power of hell. So I'm going to build a bridge through my death, through my life, through my resurrection, so you can be connected to me. Amen? It's an agape kind of love. That's the love that God has poured out for us. You want to know what the ultimate power move is? It's love. It's sacrifice. It's surrender. The strongest people in the world are the ones who love. Not the toughest, 
Not the ones that put up a facade, not the ones that put up walls between you and the other person. It's the people that have learned to love. That's how we know what love is. So how do we fulfill the vision? How do we press into being a beloved community? How do we continue to build bridges? Well, we follow the path that God's word lays out for us. It's these several key words I want to highlight for you this morning. It's instruction. We get our identity, we learn how to interact, we find intimacy with each other, and then we live into our inheritance. But it all starts right here with the instruction, our our source. What is our why? What is our reason for why we exist as a church? It's God's word. One of the things that I love about Dr. King that's a misnomer, that everybody's going to post their social media posts and everything, oh, he's a great civil rights activist. And that is absolutely true, and he was a trailblazer in that. But you got to go back to the beginning of the story, and you got to go to his why. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist preacher that loved the Word of God, and that is where his, justice, his passion for justice and civil rights flowed from. And that's where ours has to start from as well. That's our source. That's our why. Why do we as a church speak out against injustice? Why do we serve the poor and the least of these? Why do we reach out to to refugees in our community and, and children? Why do we feed the hungry? Because we're a Jesus church, amen? That's who we are. He's our source. He's the fire in our belly. He's the reason we exist as a church. We don't, we don't worship diversity. We love that. But we don't worship diversity. We don't worship justice. We worship Jesus. Amen? That's, that's our source. And when we start with the source, when we get that instruction, God's word also teaches us who we are. Do you know who you are? Jesus. If, if, you, if you stripped away any title or position that you've ever had, any job, any office, if you stripped all of that away, would you be able to say, <laughs> beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know who I am. I know who I am. God's word zeroes that in for us right here in 1 John chapter 3. Let's read it together. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. A beloved community is full of people that know they're the beloved. We can't be a beloved community if you don't believe that you're lovable. And there's some of you that are sitting there today say, yeah, beloved community! And when you look in the mirror, you hate yourself. And you don't see the image of God in you. You see the brokenness and you see the pain and you see the mistakes and the failure and all the other labels that the world has put on you. But if we're going to be a beloved community, it's full of people that have been lavished by the love of God. Do you know how much that God loves you today? Don't miss that this Martin Luther King weekend. Don't get swept away in the movement and the politics and the injustices and all of that. At the heartbeat of it is people that know they're loved. And when you know you're loved, when you've been lavished with the love of God, you can't help but keep it to yourself. It just naturally flows out of you, right? And so our identity leads to our interaction. That's the next piece. This is how we know how to interact with each other. As we've looked back, we, we talk about you all the time as a church, and we boast about you and how an incredibly flexible church that you are. Have you heard of that beatitude? Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. Okay? But it, that describes who you are as a church. Merging a church in the middle of a pandemic, leaving your, your home church buildings, and many of you going through the last couple years full of grief and sorrow and pain and heartache, and you never stopped loving. You never stopped serving. You never stopped inviting. You never stopped being the church. Even now, 
One of my friends, he posted this. He sent this picture to me. This is my friend Jeremy who goes to our church here. And he posted me this picture. I'm like, I didn't know you were a bus driver. And he's like, I'm not. I'm volunteering. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I grabbed one of our buses that we use as a church. And I'm transporting about 18 refugees that have recently come from Afghanistan to go to the store. (laughs) It's nothing sexy. It's nothing flashy. We're going to Walmart. You want to know why? Because they came here with the clothes on their back, with one pair of socks, with no toothbrush, with no hygiene, nothing. And they're here. And this white guy from a Lutheran church in Des Moines, Iowa says, I'll take some time off work and do that. Why? Because we're the beloved community. That's who we are. And every week, Pastor Hurst and I get a front row seat. You don't know this. There's way more ministry that happens here Monday through Saturday than just on Sunday morning. You got to get connected because we don't want you to miss it. Every day we get to see kids and, and students from different backgrounds and nationalities running through these halls, getting a quality, affordable education and hearing about the love of Jesus Christ. Kids and students inviting their parents and grandparents to church. Small groups forming with people that are so different than you that you would have never dreamed of being a small group. And you're like, wait a minute, the color of our skin? What, that, why would that ever get in the way of us being community together? Of pursuing Jesus together? And over and over and over, we get these glimpses of being the church. I, I remember sitting at many, many Dr. Martin Luther King prayer breakfasts. And Pastor sat, and I sat next to each other at many of them. This was way before, this is two separate churches, way before this vision, we kind of fully grasped it. I remember always being inspired by that. But I always remember thinking, man, there's no, there's no way that a church could actually do that. Like, it sounds great in a speech. There's a lot of talk, but I don't see a lot of walk. And I remember thinking, someday maybe I could be a part of a church in the city that's not perfect, but actually trying to live that out. And I am so grateful, and I'm so thankful for each and every single one of you that we've had the opportunity to do this together. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But we are in the arena. We are in the game. Amen? Walking it out. We've been reminded of this one simple truth, (laughs) that coming together, that being together is different than coming together. Some of you are all about this. You're like, I'm on board with the vision, Pastor John. How do we do that? How do you move from interaction, (laughs) being in the same room, having diversity to oneness? It's love. It's love. It's one thing to be together. It's another thing to come together. And the difference is determined by what's going on in here. It's the, it's, it's the weapon of love, that we're called to love one another. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 12. Let's read this together. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. You can't fake it. You can't fake authenticity, can you? You either love somebody or you don't. We can sit next to each other and worship and sing the songs and pray the prayers all day long, but if I have malice or hatred or bitterness in my heart towards you, we're missing the mark. God's way more concerned with what's going on in here than what's going on out here because if we get this right, we get this right. Amen? To love each other with a genuine affection. At the end of the day, Hope Elam, the goal is not diversity. The goal is love. The greatest of these is love. That's the God that we worship, the God who is 
love. That's what leads to the intimacy. Some of you are like, intimacy? Whoo, what kind of sermon is this? <laughs> that not just for pastors and wives, intimacy is the sign of a healthy church. Another way of understanding intimacy is into me see. Into me see. It's vulnerability. Oh, you didn't see that one coming, did you? I thought I was just going to clap and sing the songs. And I, vulnerability. Into me see. Knowing that I can be loved and accepted for who I really am. That I'm going to let my guard down with, yes, church people. And I'm going to be who I am. And I'm going to be loved and accepted. And that's how you gain the confidence to do it the next time. The more vulnerable we are. One of our favorite things that we love hearing about is we do all these groups and classes and the best thing is the genuine friendships that have been formed in this church. Not like, well, we're supposed to be the beloved community so let's act like we like each other. You know, like take those kind of pictures and well, we were in a class together and you know, it's Hope Elam so we should probably like. Now you genuinely love each other. Like, call each other up on a Friday night and hang out kind of friends. Like, I'm really struggling at 3 o'clock in the morning kind of friends. Like, you genuinely love. What a gift to each other. What a gift to this church. One of the greatest gifts that you've given me as a church is the ability to have that intimacy, to have that vulnerability. I love it when those of you that I've gotten to know come up to me. And and not as Pastor John, but as John, you say, how you doing? And I'm able to share my burdens and my struggles with you to be able to tell you what, what I'm afraid of, to be able to tell you my doubts about the future, the, the things that I struggle with, to say I don't have it all together, but I desperately want to be faithful to the call that God's given me in this church. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow us as we follow Christ, not in perfection, but that we're on our way. And I can say that and be honest and be vulnerable, and you receive me. And you receive us. Not as perfect pastors, but as people that are saying, let's not give up. Let's stay the course. Intimacy. What makes a beloved community is not our strength. It's our level of brokenness. It's our level of vulnerability. We'll never get there if we keep our walls up. Let's not settle for being together. Let's continue to come together, Hope Elam, because when we do, we know that we are building something that is going to last for eternity. Beloved community isn't going to end with death. Beloved community doesn't end when we end. It's a glimpse of heaven, amen? It's a glimpse of heaven. It's our inheritance. As we develop that, we live into the promise that God has for us. The Apostle John shares this vision with us of what the beloved community is going to look like forever. After this, he says, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. That's the vision. And I hear some people say, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor John, that's great. And you guys get all worked up about that. And this multicultural church thing, that's great. And that's for some people. I'd rather just go back to my comfort zone and worship with the people that look like me and vote like me. And that would just be a lot easier. I don't know about this whole multicultural church thing. There's going to be a lot of people that get to heaven someday and they're going to be sorely disappointed that this was God's vision all along. Amen. This is what he's called us to. This is who we are. No, we're not there yet. Say, we're not there yet. But we're on our way. We're on our way. Hope, Elam, we're building a glimpse of heaven, and it's no time to turn back now. You want a picture of what we're called to be as a church? Hear it from Dr. King himself. He said this. This is one of my favorite things he ever said. There was a time when the church was very powerful. 
It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer. It wasn't a Christian nation. It wasn't when the Christians had all the power. It was when Christians were suffering that, the, that the God's word was going out and that it was growing the most. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was the thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Hope, Elam, it's time to be the thermostat. Again, it's time to turn up the temperature again. That's who we've been called to be. On this Dr. King weekend, let's recommit ourselves to turning up the thermostat, to building some bridges, to loving each other and this city with an agape love, and turning up the temperature in the city of Des Moines. Amen? Amen. That's who we've been called to be, and we'll end by hearing the vision from Dr. King himself. God loves you, Hope Elam. Take a look. and worship. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.